Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and today I'm talking about how to get started with a landrace gardening project um, because this is a follow-on from uh, last week's episode and I know a few of you are probably wanting to know how to get started with this. So let's dig in and talk about how to get started. So the first thing is that you want to focus focus on those fruits and vegetables that you love, right? There's no point in investing time in developing um, a land race variety of something that you and your family don't like to eat. So always start with those fruits and veggies that you love. I would also recommend if this is something that you are new to, so you are new to seed saving as well, then I would stick with vegetables that are easy to handle, easy to save seed from. And those tend to be plants that are fruiting. So things like melon, tomato, um, squashes, squashes are very easy, um, beans, peas, those kind of things that are easier for you to um, seed save. So the first thing is decide on what fruit or vegetable that you want to develop into a land race. The next bit is to decide on general goals for the project. So are you wanting longer storage for your um, fruit or vegetable? Are you looking for a deeper color or better flavor? What about shape or size? Are you looking for a particular shape of a squash or a particular size? Um, for example, I grew a land race variety of butternut squash and it was great because it produced really early um, but it doesn't look like a normal to quote my husband it doesn't look like a normal butternut squash so I mean it's great that it was early but it's not like under his expectations of a butternut squash so if I was looking at doing this for a squash then I might want to um, hone in on looking at developing a different shape for this early particular butternut squash um, some of the goals may be are you wanting more beans in a pod are you looking for bigger fruits are you looking for an earlier producing a variety or something that's going to survive winter right because these goals become what's known as your selection criteria that is your reasons for choosing to save seeds from those plants so it's good to kind of have those written down somewhere like your garden journal so you can refer back to those um, again and again each season all right step number three is to do some research sorry <laughs> Um, it might be that you need to review your gardening journal for the varieties that you are already um, growing and those that are already showing signs of those goals and traits that you're looking for. So maybe you already have a variety of tomato that's growing that grows really big, you know, two pound sized tomatoes um, and you want to develop that into, you know, a different color or you want to try and get it to ripen early, something like that. But those plants that have the traits that you are looking for, those varieties, you should record and write them down so you know um, these are varieties that you might want to start with. If you don't have a garden yet, it might be that you are doing research by looking at online catalogs or printed catalogs for varieties that may grow in your region or may have the traits that you are looking for. So you want to be kind of looking for those plants, like I said, that have some of those traits that you're looking for. So if you're looking for, you know, large producing beans, then 
maybe you would be looking through different catalogs online to see if you can find like giant beans i know definitely there are heirloom varieties of giant beans um that you could look into if that was one of your goals so now you've done the research what comes next well you need to acquire the seeds so getting the seeds that are grown locally in the area that you are in that's obviously going to be better because part of a land race is that you are developing locally adapted varieties with a lot of genetic diversity right so you if you can you want to try and get seeds that were grown locally in the area that you live that's going to dramatically help your land race gardening project since local seeds grown in the area are already adapting to the conditions in your area especially the climate maybe not the soil but definitely the climate um if you've got um you know an area that you're living in like I mean right now I live within a valley and um, soil conditions really vary from you know area to area like those in the city that I live in are very different from a city that's 20 minutes away right that city that's 20 minutes away is a lot more heavy clay for soil whereas where I'm living right now it's a lot more sand so that's what I mean by the soil may not be the same but for other people in different areas right they may have the same soil type all the way through so if you're able to get seeds that have been grown locally um you may have an opportunity there that your seeds are adapting to both the soil and the climate con conditions which is great um so if you're wanting to look for local seeds um check out things like local seed libraries um you can do an internet search to see if your library is uh, offering a seed library um, which is kind of like you would expect you'd go you go to a library you can um, check out seeds and then um, I believe you can also contribute seeds as well so you can bring seeds back for other people to to grow which I think is a wonderful idea um, so definitely see if your local library has a seed library um, Facebook has so many seed saving and seed swap groups so try searching if you've got a local one there um, that you could join and even if it's not a local group, um, maybe see about joining them anyway, because they're a really great resource for um, different projects that people are working on. People are looking for different seed types and things. I've done a few seed swaps through um, these kind of Facebook groups, and I've had varieties that other people have been looking for, and they've had varieties that I've never even heard of. There was some really cool um, owl beans that um, I was swapping for some for um, uh, a variety of cauliflower I think it was snowball that they didn't have and I had tons of the seeds because uh, it wasn't something that had been growing very well for me here in Utah so that was that was pretty fun so definitely check out those um, Facebook groups um, try also searching local classifieds um you may get lucky uh you may find somebody that's uh doing a seed swap that's got things that you're looking for um but also like if you can't find somebody that's offering those seeds you know think about also you know posting what you're looking for so you know even if you're in one of those seed saving groups see about you know obviously making sure that you're following the rules with the admins and stuff but seeing if somebody's got some of these varieties that you 
you are looking to grow or you know even if you try to explain what it is that you are looking to do like hey I'm trying to develop a, a land race or a variety that's locally adapted um, these are some of the things that I'm looking for it to do do you live in a similar area do you have a variety that performs like this you know would you be willing to swap seeds you know I've got these that I could trade um you know gardeners are very much um you know giving kind of people and um they very often love to to swap and and trade things um you could also check out other resources like uh the exchange that's run by seed savers exchange um you could also try asking in homesteading or gardening groups on facebook um but again make sure that you're following the rules set by um those groups and also uh, the rules by the exchange at seed savers exchange and um, that's a really great resource anyway is the exchange at seed savers exchange because you can search by um, different states and you can start to kind of find seeds that are being produced within your state that helps to you know narrow down the search of what you're looking for when developing a land race um of course, the other thing that you can do is buy seeds from a supplier that you find that is carrying those. Um, you just need to be mindful that when you're purchasing seeds um, from the supplier that the seeds may not have been grown in the area where the supplier is. So let's say, for example, um, I've bought seeds from various different places. <laughs> I've bought them um, from seed companies that are actually here um, within the, the Salt Lake Valley area. I've also bought seeds from, you know, Oregon, which is very different um, weather from where I am in Utah right they were coastal it's very mild year-round um, there's not as big like temperature fluctuations there's a lot more rain um, whereas obviously where I am here in Utah it's very you know sandy soil um, it's very dry it's very hot um, the winters are a lot colder um, but overall everything is a lot drier I've also bought seeds from places on the east coast um, which again are very different uh, weather conditions from here in Utah you know they've got much colder winters uh, much more wetter winters than what I have here in Utah so um, just be cautious of when you are ordering seeds from somewhere that you know they may not have been grown in the area of where that seed company is located and those conditions for the seeds growing may be very different from uh, the ones that you know you're trying to do in the area that you currently live in and um, that's why it's really really advantageous if you can get seeds that have been grown locally in a local seed swap or something all right what's the next step so the next step is that you want to prepare your garden and start your seeds the way that you would normally right you want to treat your land race gardening seed project as you would normally grow the plants right you don't want to pamper them remember that this is about a survival of the fittest kind of deal right if they can't grow to the way that you are gardening then they have no business in your garden and that's okay right you want to be like Elsa and let it go right if it doesn't if it doesn't grow if it doesn't survive 
that's okay. You don't want that plant to have been adding genetics to your land race anyway, right? If it's not got the the ability to survive and uh, thrive in your garden, then you don't really want it in your garden. So, you know, that's why the, the premise of land race gardening is you're going to be doing a number of different varieties, right? You want to be growing a number of different varieties together to, um, you know, to help kind of cross pollinate and um, you know share that pollen flow and increase that diversity um, so if things don't don't grow and don't work out that's okay and just take a deep breath and just just let it go because there's going to be other varieties that are going to adapt and grow so much better and um, as we'll see over time like you're going to be really guiding how this project goes so you want to plant a mix of varieties together um you know jumble them up a bit in the garden right you can well you could do a couple of different things so you could kind of mix the seeds together so you could get you know a couple of seeds from each different variety mix them all together and then plant those out um or you know if you're starting them in seed trays because that's how you normally garden um you could put the, all those seeds out for the different varieties and then just kind of plant them mixed up together right so don't you know i mean you can plant in rows if if you want um but you know you could do different plants all kind of together so not necessarily keeping the same variety together so let's say um i'm growing um tomatoes together so let's say i've got three amish paste tomatoes i've got two beefsteak tomatoes and i've got one other random tomato right i might want to kind of mix them up a little bit so maybe i'll do like an amish paste tomato then i'll do the random tomato then i'll do a beefsteak tomato then i'll do an amish paste tomato and then i'll do a beefsteak tomato right i'm just kind of alternating them so they're somewhat kind of mixed up together and that's going to help um, aid cross-pollination. Um, you know, that's that's kind of what you're wanting to do. Um, so when you're planting them, like you don't want to be necessarily putting them like right on top of each other. Um, if the recommended plant spacing on the seed packet is six to eight inches apart, then plant them towards the lower end so you can help the pollination happen between the plants. But if you're living somewhere where, you know, blight and those kind of diseases are often a problem and you normally have to do a wider plant spacing so let's say the eight inches right um to help with the airflow to help reduce the diseases then plant them at the eight inches right you want to kind of keep the garden growing the way you would normally right because part of this land race project is that these plants are going to adapt and thrive to how you grow your garden all right, let's talk about the next thing that you need to do. And that's pretty easy. Um, you want to let the plants grow. Um, grow your garden the way you want to, right? If you habitually add compost, then do that. If you want a more kind of hands-off and low water kind of garden, then do that. The garden and the plants are going to grow to how you steward the land. And if things die off or they start you know looking really bad and kind of dying and stuff don't feel bad about pulling it out right you know and just letting the other plants thrive that's okay um i think it's better to kind of you know if you've got a plant that's really really obviously struggling um and not doing so so hot i think it's you know a good idea to get it out of there so you're not kind of bringing in 
um, you know, an opportunity for diseases. Um, but, you know, other people that are doing this type of garden, they don't. They just kind of let them die off naturally and, you know, they stay where they are. So, you know, you do you when it comes to growing the garden. All right, the next step is starting selection. So selection is choosing the plants that you are going to be saving seeds from, okay? So the fruiting plants like cucumbers, melons, tomatoes, squashes, etc. They are way easier um, because you can easily taste them and you can save the seeds at the same time. Um, so if you're new to seed saving, definitely look to starting with those. Um, you might be thinking, what are you looking for? Well, that depends on those goals that you decided at the very beginning, right? So let's talk about through some examples that I use to select plants for seed saving in my garden because that might help. Um, so the first one is heat tolerant lettuce. So I don't save seeds from those lettuce plants that bolt or run to seed the first. Um, I discard those plants that are bolting early in the season. Um, and I am, you know, those go into the compost pile. I save seeds from those lettuce plants that bolt later in the season because these lettuces are showing better tolerance to the heat and the stress of the weather so that's that's one way that you can select uh, cold weather leeks so for those of you in the facebook group uh, you will definitely have seen pictures of the leeks um, i'm looking for those plants which have survived winter outside without any frost protection and i'm saving seeds from those plants so this is very early stages for me um, once i have a solid set of leeks that are growing merrily through the dead of winter without a blanket then i'm going to start to select plants that look how i want them to maybe i want you know squat kind of chunky leeks or maybe I want tall and skinny leaks, like whatever I want. And when I get to that point and I start deciding that selection, you know, those are traits that I would be looking for, but I might actually talk to um, my family to see what they would prefer, right? If you remember the example of the butternut squash, right? I've got this one that looks it's kind of bell shaped and um you know it was really kind of off-putting for my husband because he just can't get behind that this is a butternut squash because he's so used to the traditional butternut squash shape um from the grocery store so maybe i'll look at growing something different like that however there's other adv advantages to having that kind of uh, elongated neck for a butternut squash right it's easier to cut and you get more squash right um to be able to use rather than having to deal with that seed cavity uh, melons let's talk about melons um so i've chosen to save seed from melons that ripen the earliest and that taste the best so i'm looking for plants there that are early to set fruit and ripen and have a really good flavor um so yeah talk to bit about butternut squash but there's some other things that are going on there just squashes generally so now that we're moving to new england um i'm saving seeds from those fruits which grew and ripened first because i want something that's going to um you know ripen early i'm going to have a much shorter season up in new england than what i do here in utah so saving seeds from those fruits which grew and ripened first um if i have decent sized fruits on vines 
I'm cutting them before I move. And this is because the seeds are going to ripen over time on the fruit. So um, I may have viable seeds to try growing in my new garden. So once I have a reliable production of fruit in the garden, right? So it's growing and it's producing, you know, fruits that have um, somewhat viable seeds in them. Um, once I get to my new place, I'm going to start to select based on things like shape, size and flavor and even length of time that they're going to store for because the storage times vary very differently um, between different types of squash, between the, the uh, cucurbited papo, the maximas, which are um, things like your buttercups some of the pumpkin varieties um your papo varieties are things like zucchini su summer squash uh vegetable spaghetti squashes those kind of um plants and acorn squash and then your butternuts are cucurbita moschata and those ones keep the longest um so that's things like pennsylvania crookneck um butternuts uh seminole pumpkin right um there's different different varieties within each of those families um cucumbers tend to select those based on taste um i want to be saving seeds from fruits that are not bitter and tomatoes well i'm trying to grow the ultimate homestead paste tomato so i'm saving seeds from big like meaty paste tomatoes like you know really big ones like the size of your fist and bigger um those that have the flavor profile that my family loves so we're tasting the tomato if we love it the seeds get saved and we do this for a number of different plants and a number of different fruits because i'm trying to incorporate some of the the different like shapes sizes and some of the the flavor profiles between tomatoes are very different right if you guys have ever had um you know some of those uh, cherry tomatoes um they're almost like candy some of them versus you know your paste tomatoes which can have sometimes a little bit more overly um acidic flavor profiles so when i'm selecting plants i'm looking for those that are thriving and not showing signs of struggling right because then i'm starting to select for those traits of where the plants are you know they're happy in the climate they're happy in the soil um you know they're doing well for how i'm growing my garden so what i'll do is i'll spot those plants that are you know really growing well and not struggling um I'll then take those fruits and run them through the taste test. Now, of course, some plants like root vegetables that flower and produce seeds the second year can be a bit more complicated. So there's a couple of things you can do. You can carefully lift the plant out of the ground. Um, you could, you know, cut a little bit out of it, clean it up and do a taste test and then mark those for replanting and seed saving for the spring. Um, this activity is easier if you're lifting these types of veggies out for storage, like in a, a root cellar. Um, I would definitely recommend getting a good book on seed saving for these types of biennial crops. Also things like cabbage or kale. Um, there's also plenty of utilities videos on seed saving for these types of biennial crops um, and I've included a couple of great books in the the tools that I use links uh, for the garden um, in the podcast in the podcast description for you to check out so you can check those out um, as well but the, you know 
I wouldn't be put off by the fact that it's a little bit more complicated um, for some of these root crops and vegetables because there's lots of really ingenious ways that people have um, developed to be able to keep some of these plants growing. So um, there was, oh, I think it's Will Bonsall's um, a book on uh, radical gardening um in there he describes his method of um saving cabbages for seeds and um i want to say he harvests the head and then there's like these stumps so it's the root ball and then like the the cabbage stalk and he kind of puts these in these like five gallon um buckets with some soil and then he kind of keeps them you know somewhere over winter where they're protected from the frost and then early in the season as soon as that um, ground can be worked so you can get a, a fork in there and you know or a shovel and, and dig the soil so as soon as that ground's been thawed um, you know he's planting those things out so they can get their roots established and then they'll start to produce flowers and seeds for that year so there's definitely plenty of options for you so don't be completely put off if you're really wanting to do you know kale or cabbage or carrots or beets right um you know people do this all the time and you can figure this out too and you know right now i mean youtube is such a great resource to be able to find out how to do some of these things so definitely check that out so i mean ultimately you are basically continuing the cycle of growing and selecting the plants that you want to save seed from and saving seed each year and after a few seasons, you start to really see your garden thriving, um, even when your neighbors is struggling. So you're going to end up with a lot of seeds, though. So you want to be keeping some of those older seeds to grow out with some of the newer seed from time to time to help keep the diversity in your plants and help keep things healthy. Um, but, you know, definitely trade and share your seeds within your community and try growing um, new varieties in a test garden area to see if there's nutrients traits that you want to add to your land race so um, if you see something that you like from the test garden save seeds from that and then add it to the land race seed mix for example let's say I've got a hot pepper land race and I've got some seeds from another hot pepper um, that grew I don't know let's say different colors and it was face meltingly hot so I'll grow the face melter, let's call it, the new pepper, um, in the test bed to see how it grows, okay? The land race grows in the normal garden, okay? Good news, the face melter grew so well um, and it kept the deer away, so that was kind of a bonus. Well, definitely want to look at adding that to the normal peppers because the deer are always at the normal peppers. So what I'll do is I'll save seeds from the face melter. I'll also save seeds from um, the land race like I normally would. And what I'll do is I will add a couple, you know, some of those face melter seeds to the land race seeds um, in the jar and I'll kind of mix, mix them up a bit. So next season rolls around and what I'm going to do is I'm going to plant out a bunch of the land race and a bunch of those face melter seeds together in the normal garden. I'm going to let them grow. They're going to pollinate with each other and I'm going to save the seeds together. Now the following season, so that's the third season from growing the face melter in the test bed so the third season i'm planting out the seeds that i saved from the previous year 
okay they're going to grow they're going to pollinate the fruits are now showing some traits of that super heat right from the face melter so you know we've got those genetics that have been um moving right some of the peppers are also showing different colors. Now I can change my land race a little bit by selecting to save seeds from the plants um, that maybe don't get eaten by the deer, right? Or I'm starting to save seeds from those peppers that have got the colors that I really like. Maybe they were purple rather than red, for example, right? Or I'm choosing to save seeds from the hottest peppers because I want to make a homestead, I hate myself hot sauce, right? To have available for my family to use right so you know you're really starting to kind of develop what you want this land race to be and that's the wonderful thing about stewarding a land race is that you are so intimately involved with the evolution of your land race it grows with you it grows with nature it produces for you the way that you want it to so why wouldn't you start your land race gardening project by seed saving from your garden today I would love to know from you. Let me know in the Facebook group um, whether you are starting a land race project or you're not and why not. I would love to know. Until next time, I hope your garden grows beautifully and I will see you all next week.